You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 253 of the big show is some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday. Hump day Wednesday. We're almost there, folks. You're halfway there. Oh, well. Well, folks, it is, uh, it's actually a Tuesday, I'm looking at the computer here, it is Tuesday night at uh, 9 p.m., nothing like waiting until the last minute. What was I talking about before? Time management. Um, no, had a, had a guest no show today, so um, and I was actually home early from work, and I was kind of ready to go, and, and then, uh, yeah, no show, and then I was just like, oh, so I went and did the dishes and kind of sat down and was writing down what I was going to talk about then. For a solo episode, and I fell asleep, <laughs> and then uh, had some supper. Had to go do some running around. The wife is sick, so um, anyway, here I am at nine o'clock talking to you guys. Um, well, um, I I did have a few things written down that well, I was gonna thought it would be for the Sunday show, um, but I guess we're gonna bump that up to Wednesday. Um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Tara Sloan, uh, Sportsnet, uh, uh, host, uh, had a few things to say about Don Cherry today, uh, the other day on Twitter, which, uh, had me rolling my eyes. So, and it, you know, um, although it succeeded for her, I guess she, you know, wasn't, didn't have enough attention. So she had to jump in. Um, I'll get into that. Um, Basically, the other topic. Well, it started with a fight over the UK and my and my back and forth with the guy over there on social media, and then it just sort of um, just a uh, just a question in general that I'll ask, and then um, 
um, Steve from when Probert was king.com, um, has been posting, Steve always posts some great stuff, but, uh, was it today or today or yesterday? He had posted some lists, you know, how we like our lists around here. Um, but it was from, uh, old newspaper articles and I believe it was, uh, now I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to hit pause and go look it up before I come back on the air. But I want, I know one was Chris Nyland. Uh, discussing some of his toughest opponents. And this is like back in like 87. And then Jim Kite was another one. So talk about that. And then um, another player spotlight. I know I went from like never doing them to doing two in a row here. Um, the, I've, uh, I got a, a, some feedback because on the Sunday episode, I did a player spotlight on Chris Murray. And I had a few people say how they enjoyed that. And I, oh, I like Chris Murray and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a player, uh, oh, spit it out. It's late here, folks. Um, Mark Jansen's is going to be the player spotlight today. And um, actually, that's why I was a little late getting going tonight. I wanted to get going at like 7.30, quarter two. But I was busy on YouTube watching Jansen's fights. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that. All that stuff. Before we do that, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever fan, whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. Of course, for my off-network friends, i got Alec out there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, yeah, he... Uh, I don't know what, what's going on, folks. I'm waiting for an episode to come out. I'm actually supposed to be on an episode of his... Um, coming up here. I think we're recording this weekend. So, yeah. So, not only has he... He hasn't done anything for forever. And then now when he's going to release something with me and the rest of the Mud Show on there. So, yeah. I, I, he's trying to sabotage his own stuff, I guess. I don't know. But in the meantime, he does have a tremendous back catalog by Lois Ray. Um, on and on. So, definitely give it a, give it a look. Also, the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. And, um, well, I was going to say before I get into that, well, his YouTube channel, when you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. We're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers. He, uh, he, he started the channel basically, well, he'd had it for a while, but he had kind of done a few things, just uploading audio clips from his, from his, uh, from his podcast. And he does a video podcast as well. Like he'll have the video up there. Um, but he was also started to add ECHL fights from last year. And uh, he was the only guy doing that because the East Coast League doesn't put their fights up. And HockeyFights.com doesn't put their fight East Coast League fights up. So it was a really unique channel. And he is doing it again this year. So, um, And the East Coast League is going to be pretty stacked. In fact, Derek Skiho and Travis Howe had a beauty the other night that I suggest you check out. Because there are some young kids in that league and uh, they will throw down. So uh, definitely follow Alex's channel. Um, but I was going to say, uh, he, he changed his logo actually. And it's kind of like, um, it's like a, a, almost like a blades of steel slash Sega Genesis. Kind of like that pixelated. It's almost like, I guess in in today's world, it'd be like a Minecraft looking thing. Um, and I'm like, I'm so jealous. I wish I'd come up with that. I was just like, son of a bitch. I was telling the wife, I said, damn it. I wish I'd done that because you could. Uh, the shirts you could make would be tremendous with that. So, uh, yeah, he did a great... I think somebody, a follower of his on the Instagram did it for him. So, yeah, that was really cool. I used to have a... There was a picture I had. It was like the old Blades of Steel fight. And uh, it was basically just said like old-time hockey on it or something. I remember thinking, yeah, that'd be a good shirt. Um, 
I gotta get into merchandise. I know I've said it for like two years now. I gotta do it. I gotta get into merch. Not just with like, oh, here, buy my shirt with my logo on it. Not, I mean, that, but I mean, I have some really good, uh, um, t-shirt ideas. Kind of like a Scarface vibe on one and, and then that Blades of Steel thing. And, but yeah, Alec did a, did, uh, that, that logo is tremendous. And, uh, and then of course, Joe Lazito, uh, the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Um, he is, uh, where it's Quebec Nordiques based podcast. He has moved away from the Islanders. Um, and I know he is, I haven't actually talked to Joe in the last little bit about his interviews. I know he had some guys lined up, like former Nords. Um, I'm not going to throw out the names, but, um, he released one episode just to kind of lay out the premise of the show and what he's doing and, and that sort of thing. I've had, I had Joe on my show a few episodes ago and, uh, not only did we talk about the new podcast, but I got his five, uh, toughest Nordique fighters. Uh, so that was a fun episode. I always like having Joe on anyway. It certainly won't be the last time I have him on, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, that podcast, I mean, obviously when it comes out, I will let you guys know. Other than that, if, uh, if you happen to be on social media, I don't know why you would do that to yourself. But if you are, follow me at Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook. Um, I'm always putting up videos and pictures and all that sort of thing. And also, again, if you're on YouTube, check out my YouTube channel. I have over 2,500 videos on there. All the leagues, they're all sorted. So whatever league you're looking for, just type it in. It'll come up. And, uh, yeah, definitely give it a look-see. I got some, I got some old, uh, unique stuff on there from the Western League and some pretty cool, like, uh, some WHL stuff that you are in OHL and Quebec and all that, that you, that, uh, I, I tried to put stuff up that wasn't on YouTube, right? I mean, you know, like every fight channel seems to have Probert and Cox and crowd, you know, and all that. But, um, you know, I have some NHL stuff. Um, but I tried to kind of go the other way and tried to put up some unique stuff, um, you know, from the Western league that I had that, uh, that wasn't on YouTube. So, um, yeah, just type in WHL, start scrolling. You'll you'll see some old stuff, and uh, yeah, you'll, I think you'll dig it. So, but anyway, uh, let's get into this show. Um, like I said, I don't know how uh, how how long I'm going to be today. I know I always say that every episode, then we end up here talking for like an hour, hour and a half. But I still have to upload this and do a graphic and have a shower and go to bed, and then it's already nine fifteen. So I don't know how long I'm going to talk for today, but. We'll just have some general musings here. My first one, um, yeah, uh, it seems every Saturday, uh, for those that aren't on Twitter, whatever, you won't, you won't, there's trending topics, obviously. I mean, everybody understands that concept, but, um, and it seems when the hockey season's on, every Saturday night, Don Cherry trends for some reason. Somebody will start whining about him or whatever, uh, for whatever reason. It's not like he's on TV anymore, but they just, you know, they can't let it go, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Tara Sloan, um, who is now Ron McLean's, uh, co-host in the hometown hockey heroes. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, I know, I, I'm not, I don't know who she, I mean, I know who she is. Um, I think probably the majority, majority of Canadians don't, um, unless you watch hometown heroes, um. I didn't really have a thought on her either way. I mean, I don't follow her on Twitter. I've seen her tweets every once in a while, but I don't pay that much attention and, you know, whatever. Um, but I kind of laugh because, of course, 
So Don Cherry's uh, trending, and she has to jump in. And uh, I'll kind of read you a couple of her tweets here, and then we'll we'll kind of dissect them. I'll read the whole thing, and then uh, kind of go through it after. But uh, I see Don Cherry as trending yet again. I've never weighed in, but I want to now. I like Don as a person, because like many of us, he wasn't just one thing. But I loathed his perspective more and more as the years went by. He sort of tolerated hometown hockey, but was jealous of Ron's other job. He thought we were soft and woke and focused on too much of too much outside of hockey. Hometown heroes wasn't for everyone, so that didn't bother me. He had some good points, probably, once upon a time. He has tons of charisma, which is why he stayed on the air for so long. But this incessant and nostalgic elevating of Don as some figure who we should look to as hockey and a political leader? Come on. I like him. I really do. I hope he's healthy and doing well. But he is a bigot and there's no place on national television with a national platform. It wasn't the poppy incident. It was everything he proclaimed over three decades. Come on. Stop with the deification. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> um, now, as far as Don Cherry being fired... Um, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into that because, I mean, we could be here all night going back and forth on that. But as far as um, uh, dissecting this, um, I, I said on Twitter today after I read this, I just posted up. I said Twitter is a bunch of basically C-level celebrities answering questions that nobody asked them. Um, I just laughed. Uh, I see Don Cherry is trending, trending and I haven't weighed in, but I want to now. Like, who gives a shit? No one asked you. It wasn't like, hey, Tara Sloan, what do you think of this? Like, you know, no one asked her, but she just had to jump in. My only, my question for, and I don't know, again, I wasn't in the CBC meetings or anything like that. I didn't ask. Um, she said she worked with him. She's been around and whatever. Did you bring any of this up to Don Cherry while he was sitting in the room? I'm willing to bet you didn't. So, uh, you know, and so it, it's right there. It's like, you know, if it if it's bothered you for all these decades, yet you still worked with him, you, you know, you still, you know, well, he was on the air because he had charisma. Well, no, he was on the air because he knew what he was talking about. See, that's the thing. Again, it's, well, and she's not new age. I, I I think she's probably about the same. She might be just a little younger than me, but she'd be in her late 30s and 40s, I think. So she was around during Cherry's heyday. Um, I think people just look at him like he's the guy with the goofy suit and the little white dog. They completely forget he has one of the highest winning percentages of all time as an NHL coach. He was NHL coach of the year. He played 15 years of pro hockey. Uh, back when there was six teams. Um, so, like, no, he has an a, an idea of how the game is played. Like, that's, you know, his son worked for the Central Scouting, uh, you know, and, and Don would go with him to the rinks every night in Ontario and watch. So he he also had, like, his finger on the pulse of junior hockey at the time in in the 80s and 90s probably in the 90s more, um, and the early 2000s. Because uh, I can remember Cherry talking about, like, Stamkos and Subban and them when they were still in, like, Bantam and Midget and stuff. It, like, so this idea that... Now, I will... I, I should have said... I should have led with this. I understand why people don't like Don Cherry. I get it. I'm not saying to like... Oh, you need to like him. 
I'm not saying that at all. I have friends that don't like Don Cherry. I get it, whatever. But that's neither here nor there with the argument. At the end of the day, you don't have to like them. But the, the thing is with these people, that when they don't like them, they, they also try to like basically uh, shit on any of his career achievements. And, oh, he's just a loud mouth, big mouth. Yeah, he is. He is a big mouth and a loud mouth. I mean, he's a, that's part of the five-minute gimmick of Coach's Corner, was him to be brash and outspoken and to play a character. Like, but at the same time, he, he said, he said it as he saw it and, and, you know, whether right or wrong, you knew where you stood, right? And when he said it, he meant it. And there you go. Um, but once again, it gets caught up. And like I said, with these, with these newer age fans or whatever, or this generation, um, the, the, the new thing is, is now is like, we'll just, disregard anything someone's done for decades and we'll just, you know, we just, cause we just got to get him off here. We just got to bury him. And then it's always a xenophobe. He's a homophobe. He's this, he's that and whatever. Um, the people saying this have never done any into any research or they don't know anything about Don Cherry. Like they just know what they've read on Twitter or what Tara Sloan's told them to think or whatever. All these people that don't like him again, you don't have to like him. That's fine. Or I, I listen to his hog. I don't like what he says about hog. Okay, that's fine. Everyone has that right. Again, I'm not saying you have to agree with his opinion. But don't sit there and say he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because now you just sound like an idiot. Because clearly he does. Now, does Don Cherry know 2022 hockey? Well, at the end of the day, I said the rink's the same size, the nets are the same size, and it's still played five on five. I'm like, you guys try to make it out so mon, like it's so monumentally different now. Like it's completely different. It's V out, V in. You still got to put it in and you still got to keep it out. So, you know, I know everyone likes to talk like there's some big revolution and hockey's completely different. Like we're going to just reinvent the wheel and it's just like night and day different. I mean, yeah, there's some rule changes and whatever, and they took out center ice, but that was in, like, what, 20-some years ago. Um, outside of that, you know, it's it's faster, but the object's the same. That rule has, those rules haven't changed. So, I don't know. I know there's a lot of analytics now and everything else, and, and you know, and everybody, like I, like I said, everyone likes to think they've, they've reinvented something or created a new hockey, and it's really... You know, I, I think you're giving yourselves way too much credit. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going off on a path here. But just to go back to what she was talking about. Um, he sort of tolerated hometown hockey, but was jealous of Ron's coat. Why would he be? Again, I guess, like I said, I wasn't in the meeting. She was, but I'm not really sure. He did coach his corner. That was all he did for his five minutes for the last three decades, what would he give a shit about Ron McLean doing another show for? It wasn't like, oh, we have to do hometown hockey and it's replacing Coach's Corner. He still had his gig. He was still making his paycheck. Why would he, like, I don't know if she's fluffing this up to to prove up or like to make her story better or what. Like I said, I don't know. Maybe he, like if somebody asked him, hey, what do you think of hometown heroes? Oh, I think it sucks and I don't know what McLean's doing. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, I've listened to Cherry's podcast. I've read the stuff after he got fired. 
I don't I don't ever remember Don Cherry saying hometown hockey was brutal or whatever. Like that's actually something right up his alley. He was very much into hometown hockey. He talked about it numerous times on Coach's Corner. He always talked about where guys were from and whatever. So I don't really know where she's going with this, but Okay, again, uh, maybe he did. Maybe he sat in the meeting and said, "This sucks," and you're pussies and what? I, maybe. I mean, I never heard him talk shit, talk hometown heroes and or hometown hockey. Again, it's not really up to him. Um, he did. Did he not do a bunch of appearances for hometown hockey? Maybe he didn't like doing the appearances. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying she's lying. Like, because again, none of us can. We weren't in the meetings, but. I've never heard him come out and say that, and I'm really not sure. When you look at the big scope, why would he be jealous of that? Because he always said five minutes he does in coach's corner is good enough and whatever. So why would he care that Ron McLean's doing another show? Ron McLean's always done other shows. So I don't know really know where she's going with this. Again, I'm not saying she's a liar. I'm just saying I don't know what the point of that was. Um, like He had some good points probably once upon a time well again like see this is just you're being condescending because he was an nhl coach of the year yeah he probably kind of knows what he was talking about at one time like see this is where you sound so this is you just sound petty and douchey like just kind of like he might have known what he was talking about yeah you think you know really Eh, like come on like again you don't have to like him but just shut the fuck up you know you know, and he should be looked at as a hockey and political leader. Well, he was a hockey leader because at one time he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame as a builder. Um, you think back to all the Rock'em Sock'em videos. I mean, that was every kid's Christmas present at one time. Um, you know, the and again, this is often overlooked. Uh, but somebody, I was, hey, Tara Sloan, why don't you go talk to Haley Wickenheiser? about how much Don Cherry's done for women's hockey. Don Cherry was raising awareness and raising money for women's hockey before it became trendy. Before it was a thing, so to speak. You know, and he's raised money for countless military, cancer. He does a big thing with the pet thing, SPCA. And, you know, so, yeah, he's done a lot for hockey. But again, you want to focus on the poppy thing and he was this and he was that. Again, did he have some outspoken views? Yeah. There was definitely some national... There was definitely... Well, he's definitely a nationalist. Um, which, if you want to go down that whole political spectrum, there is a hint of, I guess you could say, racism if you go too far. <laughs> if you're, There's nothing wrong with being a nationalist, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a line or a slope that you can go down where it starts to become a little... A, a little racist, uh, and I think everybody could agree with that. Um, I'm not saying he was, but I'm just saying that is a, a line that can go that way when you're a nationalist. That's a slippery slope nationalist. Um, he, but he definitely was that. Um, do I, th- you know, do I think Don Cherry is a racist? No. Um, you know, I, I think he's he definitely thinks that immigrants should assimilate to Canada and all that stuff. And, you know, and a lot of that stuff I tend to agree with him on. Um, but I don't, he's not yelling they can't come here or anything like that. And this idea that, oh, he doesn't, he's, uh, he doesn't like Europeans. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like Russians and all that. 
Well, he never said he didn't. See, this is where it gets convoluted and all the horse shit that people read and what they throw up. You know, I because I, as I'm scrolling, I'm reading the thing and, oh, he shit on Ovechkin all the time and blah, blah, blah. No, he hasn't. He might, he, he's shit on Ove, actions Ovechkin has done, but he has stuck up for Ovechkin many times, as well as Melkin. In fact, he went on a big rant about Melkin not being included in the top 100 players when they did that big all-time 100 list. He was very, he was very vocal about Melkin not being in it, but again, oh, he hates Russians. No, he hates their style of play. He likes Sundin. Matt Sundin and all those guys. Like, again, it's this... But back in the day when Canada was playing Sweden in the World Junior... Well, who do you think he's going to cheer for? Like every other Canadian, he was cheering for Canada. You know, like, that doesn't make him... Oh, he hates Swedes. Well, no, he wanted Team Canada to win. Like, give your head a shake, you know. But no, it's the style... Again, it's the style of play. It's not the people... I mean, he wasn't yelling, the people of Sweden can go bite, suck my ass, and all. No, like, again, this is the stupidity where it all gets mixed together. No, it's their style of play. And he has ripped many, he's ripped Crosby a new one a number of times. He shit on Gretzky back in the day for diving and everything else. There's video of him doing it, look it up on YouTube. This isn't me just howling at the moon, you know. So, no, he was very... He would tell it like it is. If you were playing a certain way, he'd call you out on it. Didn't matter what country you were from. And he has and he has praised Ovechkin numerous times. Again, this is all on YouTube. Look it up. But see, that's the thing. I know these people won't, right? The, you people, these people. No, but the people commenting on this thread, they won't. They just have this, they've read enough and they've read enough social media shit. And, you know, and like I'm reading here, it's like Leaf Girl 60 going on and on about them. You've never fucking looked into him. You've never read anything he's written. You've never done anything. You're just, oh, well, Tara Sloan said so, so it must be true then, of course. If it's on Twitter, it must be true. You know, and I just keep like, I like them. I, re- I like them. I really do. Oh, do you? Like, oh, okay. Fuck, who needs enemies, I guess. Um, you know, well, and a political, who who is saying Cherry is a political leader? What What is that? What is that? Again, you're, you're you're creating something out of like you're you're just creating bullshit with this thread. Like you know, you can say whatever, but also he's jealous of hometown hockey and McLean and oh and he we're we're trying to hold him up as a political leader. Who the fuck has ever said Don Cherry's a political leader? Like what is this chick talking about? Like, you know, um yeah, so anyway, that was the thread. It's just like I don't know, um you know, he was a hockey builder. He he raised a generation of of player. Now you could sit there and argue: was it good or was it bad? Whatever. Um, but, but he did. So, um, and his fingerprints are all over the style of hockey because that was like even back in the day. Like guys would be like, "Yeah, I want to. I'm a I'm a Don Cherry guy. Like I want to play like Don Cherry or whatever." Like you had guys that would get on TV and when they were getting interviewed, they're like, "Oh, I just hope Grapes liked it," you know, and stuff like that. Because yeah, he was an icon. He is a hockey icon. And you know, at the end of the day, if you uh, you, you could go ask a hundred people on the street who Tara Sloan is, ten of them might know. If you all hundred will know who he, Don Cherry is, so you know. Um, Again, 
I don't know what the point of her thread. I think it was just more of a look at me thread, and I'm sure she's probably just trying to kiss Ron McLean's ass and whatever. Because um, I'm sure McLean's confided because they the two of them do the hometown hero thing, so I'm sure he's confided in her like about Cherry or whatever. So you know, whatever. And like I said, she's entitled to her opinion. Like I said, she she knows him. She knows Don Cherry far more than we do. Obviously, she was in a room with him. Uh, she they were coworkers. So. Um, I just don't understand. This kind of follow falls into the the whole, you know, why really? I mean, I don't know. It just uh, it just just seems sort of like it just um, sort of a a cry for attention, you know. Which that's sort of par for the course these days. And now a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Is Colorado going to repeat? Is Toronto Maple Leafs, is this going to be finally be the year? I see Carolina's up there in the Stanley Cup Futures bets as well. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Uh, the next uh, thing I was going to bring up was just, um, well, it all kind of started, I mean, again, it's it's a topic, as you'll find as, as most of this goes on, it's, you know, the, the dead beat the dead horse. But um, it was a fight over in the UK uh, the other night, uh, Gagnon versus, um, was it Chaz Ruddy? Um, Gagnon. Beat Matthew Gagnon's a bad dude. Gagnon beats on him pretty good. Um, didn't knock him out or anything, but you know, it was definitely owned the fight. Um, anyway, Paul from the UK, of course, he, he puts it up like he always does. And of course, you know, I watched the fight because I'm a big Gan, I was a Gagnon guy, so I was like, oh, that's cool, right on. And then, uh, why would I read the comments? But I did. Um, and I know, and of course, there's the one, like, to explain the fight, it's like they square off, take their helmets, they actually pop their helmets off too, and uh, Gagnon's giving it to him and kind of has them bent over. And the linesmen haven't come in yet, but they're sort of closing in. It's right towards the end of the fight. And Rutley's kind of bent over, and Gagnon throws kind of one last shot and kind of puts him down. He didn't, like, buckle him or anything. He was up right away, but, you know, whatever. And then the refs kind of get in while they just sort of, Gagnon sort of just skates away. But... This guy puts any need for the final punch as a lineman gest as the linesman gesture to stop, lacking in class. So of course I replied, "It's a fist fight to send a message. What does class have to do with anything?" Um, and of course he replied, "That's a matter of mutual respect." And he had him well beaten. Linesmen were gesturing to stop, but he fancied taking another shot. The only message that sends is, "I'm a dick." Uh, which again I replied. Uh, again, it's a fist fight, and being a dick is sort of the whole point. It's amazing how this concept is completely foreign to so many. 
Um, and of course he replies, it's not a street fight. It's not unregulated. It's not anything goes. The ref says, stop, you stop. I get, so I reply, what are they fighting for then? The middle, in the middle of a fight, you're angry. You got the adrenaline going. There's thousands of people cheering and some ref saying, oh, stop fellas should end it. Yeah, that's realistic. If you had hit it now, if you had hit the guy when the refs were separating them, then you might have an argument until then. But you are fighting to win, um, which he never replied to. Um, but this sort of goes to my the thing that I always talk about, and and it's much more. I've always it's funny because I used to say it was this this Gen Z fan these new fans that thought this way and talked like this. Um, but as I've sort of gone deeper into the hockey fight message groups and, uh, fan, fan, Facebook groups and stuff, which are comprised of people my age, like older fight fans, and there's lots of new ones too, but older guys as well. It, it is like the majority of people go, are just either, I don't know if they've been brainwashed or, well, they have been brainwashed or they just don't know or, like, I, I expect younger people to not know because they weren't around. Like, so, but it's, and I, maybe the move, the ice guardians and all that, maybe that, that's drilled home this horse shit of respect and everything. And I like, because even the older players, like when you interview, they always go on and on about this again with the code and the respect and all this bullshit. And it's like, okay, again, and I've, I've mentioned it before, um, I've had arguments online with Steve McIntyre and a bunch and different players about this. Um, because it, not that they're hypocrites, but it's funny. They'll go on and on about respect, but it's like you didn't play like it, it's a, it's a cozy soundbite to say now, now that you could sit back by the old campfire and regale people with stories. You like to tell, Oh, we all respected each other. We were just out there doing a job and whatever. Well, that's all this antiquated, you know, Mayberry way of looking at it. Like I said, a, a Norman Rockwell look at fighting. But the reality of it is like, no. I remember you throwing shots when guys were down, sucker punches, going into the bed, whatever. All this happened, and these are the same guys that sit there and talk about oh, respect and all this shit. It's like, come on, you know. And I, and I don't know if it's a way of... Um, making peace with what they did. Like, I'm not saying, oh, they killed or murdered people, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if some guys are kind of ashamed of what they did now or like, because I think that, well, the way people, new age fans in the media have made them feel like they should be sort of embarrassed about what they did or I'm not saying this is just me speculating, but, or so they, so they, they try to wrap it up in this idea that, oh no, we respected each other and all, it's just a job and all that. And, you know, and, and, and it was, but I, I, I think, I, I think they've been made to feel like, like all those clips that I have with like Twist and McSorley talking about, like, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm there to send a message and I'll do whatever I have to do and I don't care. Well, that's in, like, if, like I would say, the Marty McSorley explaining what an enforcer is on my YouTube channel. For anybody that hasn't watched that, it's got almost 500. So, I mean, a lot of people have. But if the, for those listening, if you haven't, just go to my fourth line voice on YouTube. Type in Marty McSorley. And there'll be an interview with him. It was from the extras of Ice Guardians. 
And he explains what an enforcer is in, in the most blunt, unpolitical, correct terms. And it's, yeah, that's what it was. And he's not hiding from it. That's what I've always respected about McSorley when he talks about it. And same with Twist. Twist says the same thing. And it's like, yeah, that's the whole point of enforcing. And it's completely lost on these people. And and a part of that reason is the players are to blame. If you listen to some of these guys, and I've ha- I'm not going to name names because whatever, that's their feel. I'm not going to argue with them. Again, they went out and did it. I get it. But I've had guys on my show talk about like that. And it's like, okay, well, the DVDs behind me say otherwise. But, okay, if that's what you're going to say because it makes you sleep better at night, then okay, fine. But YouTube will tell us different, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. That was the point of the job. Is to inflict your will on people. Hurt people. I'm not saying, yo, put them out for life. But, I mean, when you're in a fist fight, what are you doing? Like, you're trying to hurt the guy, are you not? Like, you know, I, well, I don't know what nowadays, but, I mean, you know is serious like that's the point of a fight isn't it like i'm i'm well you can't see me but it's like really something like like i was saying to this guy well then explain to me what the point of the fight is then like what, what are we fighting for serious just think like I don't, I don't think i've actually ever said that on this show before but just really everybody stop and think right now what the point? What's the point? What are we fucking fighting for? To hurt somebody. You could, like I said, you could church it up all you want, but at the end of the day that you're trying to do, you're trying to knock the motherfucker out. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the point. But like I said, the media and Twitter and all these fucking new age nerds, it's almost like they make a, the, like they make the player almost feel guilty about it, but that's what it was. That's what you were doing, and you were sending a message to not mess with my team anymore. Again, that that and but this wave of thinking with this code and this respect and all this horse shit, you can see it as even the fights have gone in the last 10, 15 years. You watch these guys fight now. I mean, yeah, they're still throwing. I'm not saying they're not, they're pulling punches or, you know, it's not real punching. Uh, although Pat Maroon would rather just laugh through it all. But I mean, you know, Reeves and Felino the other night were throwing some hard punches. They were going for it. There's been a few guys dropped. Like I said at the start of the show at the East Coast League, Skeel and Howe were going for it. They weren't sitting there, you know, throw a couple and then let's work out together in the summer, bro. They, no, they were going for it. So. I'm not saying that the guys don't, you know, but it, it gets to the point. Like I, I've often said on this, there's almost like a checklist to fighting now. Oh, are they the same size? Did it mean something? Did they square up? No sucker punches. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and if it's not, oh, everybody fucking gets up in arms and whines about it. You know, like, what are we doing here? If you're going to, and like that was the other night when Johnson, Ross Johnson went after the flyer kid. Well, the flyer kid was running around. That's why he fought him. But all the pinheads on the board, he should have fought the lower gang. Why is he fighting a non-fighter? Why do you think he's fighting the non-fighter? Because the non-fighter is acting like a jerk off. That's the whole point. Why John, what? So like I said, A runs around B, so C fights D. 
That's what you fucking idiots think. Because, oh, well, they're too tough guys. That's the respect factor. That's what I mean. People are so... Convol- they have this convoluted idea of fighting now. You've managed to fuck that up. Like, but it's, it's seeped into the players too. Like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, he's not in the same class. You know, well, well, if he's acting like a goof, that's the point, isn't it? Like, it's like, oh, the half, three quarters of these players don't even understand it. Then, Then what did you fight for? If Joe Blow's running around, if Joe's running around, why, why does Tim go out and fight Dan? What, what does that, like, you talk about, like I would say, you talk about making fighting look stupid. That's, that's what makes fighting stupid in hockey. Why would you not go beat Joe up? I don't, I, I don't know. It's like, oh, I know, because he's not my, he's not a heavyweight. Oh, well, then don't act like an asshole. Like, oh. Like Kelly Chase tells that story at the end of Ace Guardians. Or maybe it was a short, whatever. Kelly Chase tells the story. And he be, he goes and ends up beating up a non-fighter. Because the guy won't fight him. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. But oh, if that happened now, oh, they'd be crying about it on the message boards. And Chase was a mean and all this. And yeah, they, it's just like, it's the, the idea of enforcing is completely lost. And, and, and unfortunately it's lost in a lot of these players too. You know, I, hey, I'd, I'd love for a player to get a hold of me. Tell me I'm wrong. But, and I, and I feel really bad and I don't know why they do. Like I said, some of these retired guys, I don't know why they feel like somehow. Well, and I get, because it's, I guess they have to look at themselves. They don't, they don't like the, because at the end of the day, you're a bully. That was the point that you were paid to be, and like that. Oh, all that says is like that guy was saying about Gagnon. All that tells me is all that says is I'm a dick. Yeah, he was. You don't think Probert was a dick? Twist was a dick. McSorley, Baruby. Yeah, that was the point. Well, it was at one time, but you know, I, I guess you have to be nice now. It's it's just mind boggling to me, but whatever. It's uh, <laughs> you know, but like I said, I think some of these guys they just don't. They look at their career after and like somebody. Oh, you beat people. Oh, you're a bull. Oh no, it was I did this for the logo and all that. Well, you did. I'm not knocking your job, but you were an asshole when you played. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why you were paid to play. To be an asshole. There, don't. I don't know what's there. To, what's there to be ashamed of? It was a position. It was a role in hockey, and you performed said role. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. You did something most people wouldn't do. Don't be ashamed. That was a role that was now. Is it probably needed in hockey anymore? No, because you can't enforce in hockey anymore. Not with the way the rules are. There's nothing wrong with having a tougher guy that will be physical, like a Reeves or a Wilson or guys like, well, Wilson's like a unicorn, a guy like that that could score 30 goals and, you know, shit like that. I mean, yeah, those guys are obviously still needed. I'm not saying they're not, but, you know, the, the, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like the new age guy, but the one dimensional 
five, you know, three shift a game guy isn't around anymore. Again, it can be argued if that's good or bad, and you know, whatever. You get different schools of thought on that, but um, but it, three shift to get whatever. He still performed a role and did something that the majority of people won't will not do. So I, there's no need to shit on that guy. And like I said, I, I always hope these players don't when they look back on their career, they're not shamed by it. Or I mean, I've heard guys, oh, I'm embarrassed by the way I played, and oh fuck, really? Like why? Why are you ashamed of the way you played? I've heard NHL guys, they played in the NHL. They mostly might, but they were up in the NHL for a while. They played the role. And, oh, I look back on it. I'm so ashamed. And I tell my kids not to do that. And, oh, okay. Like, what, 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 who's making you feel ashamed? You played in the best league in the world. What is there to be ashamed about? Well, when you were there, you, I don't give a fuck what you were there for. I don't give a shit if you're running the cleaner, you know, if you, at, for extra money, you ran the fucking, uh, mop down the, the, about, around the concourse. You know, oh, you did the, uh, after hours, you were running the floor shiner in the concourse. Whatever. You still played in the NHL. You played in the best league in the world. Your name is in the record book. What is there to be ashamed of? Who gives a shit how you got there? You played elite, even the NHL, even the minors, junior. You still play, you were an elite level player. Who are these people that are shit talking you? Some guy that never got out of friggin' house league? Some couch jockey? He's, he's calling this guy a goon. And like the other guy was talking about Gagnon. Oh, as a Canadian, it's funny to laugh at these guys because they never made it. Well, who are you, superstar? Like you never made it past intramural floor hockey, yet you're sitting there on your couch shit-talking a guy fighting in the UK. Well, first of all, Gagnon did make it, played NHL preseason games, and, you know, making it, I would say, is someone paying you money to play a sport. So I think he made it, you fucking idiot. But you're going to sit on Facebook and talk shit about him. Old Michael Longgrass, or whatever the fuck your name is. Yeah, you know, Johnny Couch Potato. Sitting there shit-talking guys. He has no clue who they are, but yet there he is flapping his lips in the comment section. Just embarrassing. But that, I mean, that's society in general now. Yeah, you know, Johnny Critic from the from the Lazy Boy. Yeah, never played a fucking sport in his life, but sure has got a lot to say about it. Although I guess you can make millions of dollars doing that. Jim Rome, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, all these buffoons that never did anything. But could flap their lips and they're charismatic, you know. Oh, that's another thing going back to Don Cherry. Yeah, Don Cherry walked walk the walk. He was a tough guy when he played. He played 15 years of pro hockey. So, yeah, he can back up everything he said. You know, he has credibility. You know, like some people, I remember somebody, I remember reading that, oh, he's like the Skip Bayless, and he's like, no, he's not. No, Don Cherry made it to the top of his profession. He was a coach. He was the NHL coach of the year. He played He played in the NHL. He played pro hockey back when there were six teams. You know, so, no, he made it to the top of his profession. Who's Skip Bayless or Jim Rome? They were just talking head goofs that that managed to capture an audience because people apparently like big mouth goofs because you know why because that's them that's them and their friends sitting in the basement drinking beers yelling at the tv about catch the ball swing shout they're those idiots yeah they're the pinheads that you see videos of fighting in the stands because my team oh god yeah, us, the us, we crowd, those guys.
Yeah, that's who identifies with Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. Goofs. But anyway, enough of this. Let's move on. Hold on, I gotta hit pause here. I gotta find these lists that Steve put up. Okay, first up here is his, his Chris Nyland list. Again, um, when I mentioned Steve, again, he goes by when Probert was king. He's been on my show a bunch of times. Long, Obviously, long-time listeners know who I'm talking about. But uh, um, actually, I need to get Steve on the show to talk about the new fight site, Drop Your Gloves 2.0. Uh, it is called the Fight Chronicles, and of course, he was raising money for it last year. And he has the, him he has done a lot of work on that site, and uh, it should be coming up here pretty quick. I'm going to get him on. I'm going to try to record with him some point this week, and I will have that on Sunday's episode. I will have Steve on, hopefully, to discuss the the site and uh, and that type of thing. Just so because I've had people ask me what's going on with that, and I know some people donated money and and that type of thing, and. Um, but yes, it's, it is, I've seen it. It's, it's online. It's fightchronicles.com if you want to look it up. Um, but yeah, it, it's coming, folks. Um, you know, something, the amount of data that needs to be entered in that is astronomical. Um, you know, and again, it's the same thing. When the site comes online and you're looking at it, it's not, it's not going to be the drop your gloves you remember. I mean, the drop your gloves that you remember, that was like 10, 12 years in the making, that site that you, they, you know, it it looked very bare bones when it first came out too, um, and a lot of people put a lot of work into that site to make it what it was. So this new site, when it comes up, is not going to look like what Drop Your Gloves did when it, right before it went down. I mean, that's that's not a fair comparison. But and it's going to take time to grow it, but it, it it's coming. Um, like to be put online and then to have people add to it and stuff. I know Steve has talked to people about adding things and that type of thing. So again, um, uh, I haven't stayed that up to date. I mean, I know what's going on a little bit from just from Steve's updates, but again, I will, I will get him on the show here shortly, hopefully this week and we'll talk about it. But in the meantime, he has been posting some great stuff from, uh, he's obviously been doing research. Steve's a big research guy and he always goes through newspapers.com and that type of thing. And he'll, he'll just post up, uh, articles when he sees them. And, uh, and this one, it was from the Gazette, uh, January 30th, 1987. So basically we're talking about the 86, 87 season. Um, heavyweight champ Nylon, uh, rates NHL's top 10 contenders. Um, Chris Nyland just finished one of his first skating sessions since his knee injury, and he's sweating and huffing and puffing. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's already escaped. During his convalescence, Nyland had become a prospective analyst. When asked to give his top 10 contenders for the NHL's heavyweight boxing championship, has responded with his uh, assurance of an expert from Ring Magazine. Here are Nyland's top 10 contenders. Uh, number one, John Cordick. Well, that's funny. You've got to put his teammate number one, right? John Cordick, uh, can hit with both hands, throws a lot of punches, very strong upper body. Number two, Jay Miller, very, very close to Cordick, can throw with both hands and take a punch. When you hit him, it's like hitting a wall. Doesn't tire. He's throwing uppercuts now after watching me. <laughs> Jim Kite, number three, uh, big and strong, hits with both hands, won't give up. Number four, Dave Brown, big left hand with those long arms. Of his, you gotta get inside and bring your shots up from underneath. Number five, Kevin McClellan. There's a guy that doesn't appear on a lot of lists, but McClellan was awesome. Uh, great left hand, could take a punch, tough in every sense of the word. Number six, Rick Tockett. Another lefty, but good with both hands, throws quick, compact punches. Number seven, Ben Wilson. 
Strong and mean, takes a punch well. Number eight, Tim Hunter. Calgary Flames, strong and can go for a long, long time, outlasts a lot of guys. Number nine, Wendell Clark, has quick, short punches with both hands, not scared of anybody. And number ten, Kurt Fraser. Nobody thinks he's tough because he's quiet. Don't wake him up. He can bomb with the left hand. Nyland gives honorable mention to Tory Robertson. Can't fight much, but more guts than anybody. Detroit's Lee Norwood, not afraid of anybody. Calgary's Nick Fatio and Hartford's Dave Semenko. Among the best, but both semi-retired as fighters. They're contenders. But who's the champ, Chris? You? I don't want to go around saying that. I don't want to go around saying I can beat everybody. He did say, though, he'd fought all but two, Clark and Kite. But one fight doesn't prove anything anyway. How would you do... Four out of seven against any of these guys? Hell, I'd bet on myself to win eight out of ten. <laughs> Warmed up now, the Boston strong boy. Do some heavy evidence for his case. Looking down at his naturally brass knuckles, he said, I know when and where to throw a punch so that's so I don't break these hands. That's why I've lasted so long. He then pointed to his unscathed nose, tapped on a wooden stool behind him and said with a smile, Never been broken. I move well when I'm in close. Spoken like a true champ of the NHL. Um, there you go. That was, that was really cool. I, you know what? It's really weird. Um, I guess I would have been 87. I would have been 12. I can almost remember reading this article. I might be up my ass. Cause I used to love it when the star Phoenix would like pick up different articles and stuff. And, uh, um, I like, I know this is in the Gazette. I don't know if it went all over for, for some reason. I think I've read this. Maybe, of course, maybe somebody posted it before. That's why I'm thinking it. I read it when I was a kid, but I used to, um, yeah, whatever the Star Phoenix, the local paper here, would have stuff like this or whatever, like, you know, something they picked up from the press or whatever, Associated Press. I'd always cut it out and stuff. I had this, what do you call air quote, goon binder that have all these news articles in and cocky of my old goon cards and stuff. And, um, yeah, actually, I should dig that out. I have some interesting articles from in there. Um, yeah, so I want to thank Steve for posting that up. That's always a pretty cool way to look back. And, of course... But of course, the comment section filled with it. a trash list. Proby by far number one. What? No coaster, twist, Grim Reaper, Ray. Uh, like, like, well, they weren't even like, well, first, of course, a bunch of people. No, Proby. Uh, well, he was a rookie when this article came out. Uh, twist and Grimson weren't even in the NHL yet. You fucking idiot. That's a, like, there's always, uh, or Ray still in the OHL. It's like, yeah, no prober Cordic number one bogus list. Like, uh, just <sighs> yeah. This is why these <sighs> these message boards are so stupid sometimes. Um, yeah, I whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, looking up. He had that. Uh, he had the Jim Kite article here. It, not much. It's just a little. You know, it's basically just talking about his uh, early on here with the with the Jets. But uh, Jets boss John Ferguson was the most feared fighter of his day when he kept the streets safe with the Montreal Canadiens. Fergie rates Jets defenseman Jim Kite as one of the best fighters he's ever seen. I don't know about that one, but okay, Fergie. <laughs> the Sun asked Kite to list the premier heavyweights fighters, inclu- excluding himself. Uh, in no particular order, they are Dave Brown, Jay Wells, Clark Gillies, Kurt Fraser, and Dave Semenko. Uh, Kite's best fight, he says, was a pure sixer he had with Boston's at Gord Kluzak a couple years ago. Tape show Kite outpunched Kluzak roughly 44 to 18, and the fight instantly established the Jets' defenseman's reputation. Um, 
40. I think I, I, I swear I've seen that. Hold on. I got to go look this fight up. Okay. Well, I did go and check that out. Yeah. For you folks listening, go check out Jim Kite and Gord Kluzak. That is a tremendous bout. I don't know about four, well, it might have been close. Now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been close to 44 punches. Kluzak definitely landed some, but yeah, Kite landed some beauties. Yeah. Jim Kite, man. I mean, I know he's always linked with the, with the coaster thing and all that, but. Kite was in some beauty fights, and I think, you know, of course, being in Winnipeg back in the day didn't help in terms of exposure, um, but, you know, he put, like I said, he put he put down Dave Brown and had that great fight with Kluzak. Kluzak's another guy It's unfortunately, he was the first, I think he was the first overall pick, or he's a first rounder for sure, really early in the first round. I want to say he went first overall, um, you know, but had a great WHL career, was a tough D-man, big, had some really good fights, but just you know, knee problems and everything else and just never, you know, couldn't stay healthy. And he didn't, I think, you know, put 100, 200 games or something. But it was, he's he was in some great tilts too, though, um, with the Bruins. But, um, yeah, that was a great fight. Kluzak Kite, look that one up. But, uh, yeah, so there we go. A couple lists from some 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 cats back in the day, Kite and Island. Like I said, I always, I always find it cool to read those, uh, the old newspaper articles and, uh, and that type of thing. So thank you, Steve, for putting that up. Oh, look at that. We're at the 54 minute mark and I'm still yammering away. Shocking. Um, and it is, uh, 1013. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, before I go, I'm going to just do, do kind of a quick little, uh, player spotlight. Today's spotlight, as I said earlier, was, is on Mark Jansen's, um, big 6'3", 220. Uh, he was a, a fourth round pick by the New York Rangers in the 86th draft, 72nd overall. And, uh, I was a big Jansen's fan, um, big center, you know, solid player. Um, yeah, played, uh, played four years in the Western Hockey League with the Regina, Regina Pats, played right at 16 years old. Um, you know, 84, 85 was his first year in the Western League. 70 games, 30 points, 51 minutes, but he had five tilts. Uh, the following year, 63 points, then 62 points, then 90 points in his final year. Um, 146, 209, and 202 penalty minutes. In terms of fights, um, in his 19-year-old year, he had 24 goals, 209 minutes. He had 22 fights. Um, you know, twist a couple times, Kimball and PA a bunch of times. Um, like I said, big center. Um, yeah. And of course he played, um, you know, that 86, 87 Pats team. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, uh who was it? Uh, Brian Wells, crazy Brian Wells, or, or maybe it was, it must've been the, the 85, 86 team. Yeah. Brad, yeah. Brad Miller, Kerry Clark played there. Um, uh, I want, I thought he had, uh, I thought he had played with Grimson and those guys. Yeah, he did. Well, it was his rookie year when he was 16 at 80. He, uh, Stu Grimson, um, was on the team that year as well. Um, uh, he must have missed, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, for some reason I thought he played with Grimson and, uh, and Lyndon Byers, but Byers was obviously a couple years before him. Um, Robert Dirk, there's the, I knew he played with a tough defenseman. It wasn't Butcher, it was Dirk. Yeah, because Butcher had left early. That was, yeah, it was Butcher and Byers and Al Tour, I think, were there a few years before that. So, um, you're, never mind. I'm rambling on air here. Um, but yeah, so I said four years in the Western League. And then, uh, he actually played one game there in, in the 87, 88, uh, with the Rangers. Uh, and then, uh, and six games in the IHL and into the playoffs, um, after the Regina Pats were eliminated. 
Um, and then the following year, 88-89, he plays five games with the Rangers and then spends the rest of the year in the IHL with the Denver Rangers. And, uh, you know, he played 38 games, had 38 points. And then uh, 89-90, becomes an NHL regular, 80 games. And um, uh, 21 years old, has 11 fights that year. Um, his first NHL fight was against Pat Verbeek. Um, oh, and again, when I'm doing these player spotlights, um, the fights that I will mention are all on YouTube, so you can look them up as well. Um, um, yeah, and uh, he has a great fight with uh, John Mokasak, uh, Brendan Shanahan. Um, the fight with Shanahan's good, but the camera work is the shits. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, 11 tilts in his rookie year. Um, I'm just sort of throwing out the highlight tilts. Um, uh, where's this fight card? I had it up in front of me here that first year. Yeah, I, I, well, he gets into it with Sean Burke, Terry Carter, Bob Rose. It's good. He has a couple of good fights with Bob Rose over his career. You know, Diddick, Jennings, Danico. Um, the following year, 1990, 91. Um, again, he plays, uh, 67 games, 16 points, 172 minutes, um, had 12 fights, um, has a really good uh, preseason fight with Jeff Chikrin, toe-to-toe, that's a real good one, a really good one along the glass with Darren Kimball, um, decent one with um, Nick Kiprios, um, yeah, Trent Yanni was another good one that he had. The one thing I've noticed, I, I know, and that, well, and that's the thing with Jansen. It's, it's funny. He's listed at 6'3". He seemed, like, if you go, if you go and look on YouTube and watch a bunch of his fights, he seems taller than that. He seems like, he seems bigger than everybody he fights. It's interesting. I was surprised he was only listed at 6'3". I thought he looks like he's way bigger than that. Well, not way bigger, but he looks like a 6'5 guy. Like, he just seems to be taller than everybody that he's fighting. But, um, but left-handed. The interesting thing with Jansen's too, and I noticed with a lot of his fights as I went through them, um, again, I didn't go through his entire fight card, but, um, I kind of listed, looked up the bigger name fights. He seemed to like to fight along the boards. It's interesting, along the glass. And, um, yeah, I don't know why. I, it was just not, I was noticing as I'm watching all these fights, I'm like, all his good fights are along the glass. So I don't know if you like pushing against them and sliding. If he felt more secure against the boards, it's interesting. I'd like to ask, I'd like to actually, I'd love to interview Mark Jansen. That'd be an, actually a question I'd ask him if he was more comfortable fighting along the boards. I'm trying to think, I think it was Todd Ewan that said he liked fighting along the boards. Um, he felt, felt it was better with his balance or something. I want to say it was Union, he, he, Todd Ewan. It was in one of the Bad Boys books. Um, but I did notice that Jansen seems to do a lot of that too, which was, kind of, it's, I don't know, it's one of those observations that was kind of interesting. Interesting to me anyway. Um, then the next year it was really weird. Um, like, because he's already played like 80 games, 67 games, you know, whatever. You think you're kind of established. And then in 91-92, he plays like four games with the Rangers. Um, and then he ends up in the American League. He plays 55 games, 33, you know, 33 points, 109 minutes. Then he plays like right, and then at the end of the year, he plays two games in the IHL with Kalamazoo, and then plays their playoff run with him because he ends up fighting Law Paul Laws twice in the IHL playoffs. Um, but yeah, but then uh, you know, obviously the Rangers just you know got rid of him because he actually ends up in Hartford in ninety two ninety three. I believe he was a goon draft pick too. 
Forrest and Thompson will know who I'm talking about, and Whiff, Sniff out there. You guys have heard me talk about the goon draft that we used to do in high school, where I, I, there was a, I think there was six of us in the draft. I want to say we picked five or six guys each, because you could do that back then, because every team had three and four guys. Um, and you'd add up their penalty minutes, but you'd subtract points off for, I think it was like four points if they, for a goal and two for an assist. I think it was something like that. I know you at limit, we took off points for scoring. So you wanted the straight cement guys, but, um, I think Jansen's, this would have been a solid year for, well, he had 12 goals. So you would have, you would have lost a bunch of points there, but he had 237 minutes. But, um, that 92, 93 season, um, they had Kiprios too, and that was the year Kiprios, I believe, led the league in fights. Did he lead, or not fights, uh, penalty minutes, pardon me. Uh, who led the league that, oh, oh, how could I forget? This is the year, I, and I know for sure I won the goon draft this year, because I had McSorley, and he had 399 that year. Um, old, my buddy Kevin there had, had Ojik and had, with, was second with 370, but Gino had a huge lead at Christmas, and I remember right around the All-Star break, Kevin thought he had it in the bag, and then Marty, started picking up 10s in the third period, and it was off to the races. But yeah, Kiprios was actually fourth in the league in penalty minutes that year with 325. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Paul Holmgren as the coach. And uh, yeah, what a tough team they had. They had uh, they had Jansen's that year. Uh, like I said, Kiprios, you can say what you want about Nick, but the guy fought, put up 300 minutes. Uh, they also had Jim McKenzie and, uh, and Doug Huda. On D, had 167 minutes. And then another guy that seldom gets talked about, um, but Jim Agnew, uh, played 16 games, had 68 minutes that year. Um, I believe this was the year that uh, Hartford, it was one of the years, Hartford played Winnipeg here in Saskatoon for uh, a preseason. Was it a preseason game or was it a regular? Yeah, it had to be a preseason game. I want to say it was a neutral, they were doing neutral site stuff, but I think it had to have been preseason. But Agnew and Domi fought coming out of the penalty box, and uh, Agnew hung one on Domi. He, he, he put him down. He didn't, like, knock him out or anything, but he caught Domi with a good one, and they went down. It was a good fight for Agnew. And, uh, yeah, underrated guy. Didn't play in the league long, but tough dude, um, Jimmy Agnew. But, yeah, uh, 92-93, um, you know, was was a big year. He had sixteen fights. Um, uh, had a great fight with Rob Ray. Um, an awesome fight with Cam Russell that I believe is the fight that's on the Rock'em Sock'em tape from that year. Yeah, look up Cam Jansen's or Cam or uh, Mark Cam Jansen. Sorry, Napes. Look up Mark Jansen's versus Cam Russell. That's a tremendous bout. And the last fight of of the season for him that year though was against Peluso. And Peluso catches Jansen's and they, and, and puts him down. But it's a good real toe, it's a real good toe to toe exchange. Um, you'll find when you, when you, um, I, like again, when I'm doing these, I'm sure most of you, um, I mean, you know who Mark Jansen's is. But it's one of those things that, uh, again, when I do, when I want to do these spotlights, it's guys that kind of go under the radar or underappreciated and, uh, and sort of get, like I said, sort of forgotten about to the, the sands of time. And, and Jansen's one of those, just a solid big, he's a big centerman, uh, was good on the checking line. But, uh, yeah, he had, he, going through these and looking up the fights were, were a lot of fun. He had some great fights. Following year, 93, 94, he had 17 tilts. Great fight with McSorley when Marty was in Pittsburgh. Um, 
a real quick fight with Brad May. Um, that I know some call it, I don't think it was a TKO. I think it was Jansen's, uh, momentum put, kind of let him, ended up falling on May, but May landed a good shot on Jansen's too, because in the penalty box, Jansen's is like wiggling his nose like it's broken. But, uh, yeah, that is like real quick and dirty. Um, uh, real solid fight with Jay Wells along, again, along the boards. Um, Randy McKay, he had a good fight with. Um, yeah, some really good fights there. Uh, 94, 95, 10 fights. Great fight with Chris Tamer. Um, Brant Myers, he has a good fight with Myers, but I think Myers catches him at the end and kind of puts him down, but they were going toe to toe. Um, yeah, just kind of, you know, go, I mean, I'm not going to go over all of his fights, but I mean, 95, 96, he had 16 fights. Actually started the season. He has a great preseason fight with Reed Simpson. Um, another, a great fight with the Jim Kite as I, when, when Jimmy was with San Jose, that's a really good fight. Um, actually he has a really interesting fight with Tony Twist. Um, they go at it pretty good. Um, I would say Twist gets the upper hand in it, but you can see with the way Jansen's fights, he has no fear. Like he goes right in and he'll stick his chin out. And there's a couple times here, um, he gets caught, um, a few times and gets dropped. Uh, for TK, like again, no, I'm not saying they pick him up with the spatula and, you know, cart him off, but, you know, he's, he, he skates up and goes to the box, but I don't think he's feeling real good. But he will stick his chin out and go for it. And, uh, you know, gotta respect a guy that'll fight, you know, fights like that. He won't move his head. He just stays straight in. He'll stay in the pocket and throw left hands. And, uh, yeah, he, like I said, fun to watch. Uh, 96, 97. Again, 18 tilts. And again, this isn't even like, you just think 18 fights. This isn't even, he isn't even the number one guy on his team. Like, he's a big heavyweight and fights heavyweights, but like when you're on Hartford with Jim McKenzie, McKenzie's the number one guy, you're the number two, right? And here's the number two with like 18 fights and shit, right? Like, this is amazing. Yeah, he just, um, again, he was with, uh, with Hartford in this 96, 97, but right at the trade deadline, he gets traded to Anaheim. Um, has a really good fight with Alex Stoinoff and they, they kind of have a really cool square off and Stoinoff's always, I always like Stoinoff's attitude when he fights. He just has his hands down. He's kind of like, like, Hey, let's go. And they go toe to toe. And Stoinoff kind of catches them and they go down, but you know, it's kind of TKO-ish, but, uh, yeah, Stoinoff's a bad dude, man. Um, Laws catches them with a pretty good shot too and drops them. Um, right at the end of the year when he was in Anaheim, he actually gets into a fight with Roman Volpat. Um, and I believe when I interviewed Roman on the show here, I believe we talk about it. Um, but yeah, it, it seems, I don't know, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember all the stories they run together, but it seems like when you watch the fight, it's uncare because Jansen usually fights and they go down, he gets up, he's not a, he doesn't seem like a big talker, like, you know, or anything like that, but he seems irritated with Volpat in this fight because he kind of gives them some shots when they're down. And so I think Volpat must have done something to him to piss him off, but. And then in the playoffs against Phoenix, he actually has a really good fight with Keith the Chuck. The Chuck looks pretty good in the fight. Camera angles to shits, but it's not bad. But um uh 97-98, he starts the year with Anaheim, gets traded to the Islanders at the end of the year. Um actually get, gets dropped by Smolik in the Doug Smolik in the preseason. And um Yeah, it, it was right when it was kind of like it was kind of a I don't want to say it was a cheap shot, but the refs were in there, but 
you know, obviously Smolik was mad about something and fighting. Hey, you fight until you fight until it's over, right? And uh, but yeah, he kind of snuck a shot in through on Jansen's and and get, they kind of the whole pile falls down. But yeah, it was a pretty stiff shot. But um, he has an interesting two fight series with Jim Cummins, and uh, him and Cummins have an awesome, um, awesome toe to toe bout. And then um, for the in round one, great fight. And then it's uh, it's a few months later uh, they they fight again. Uh, one month later they fight again, and uh, they they hit along the boards. And they're like, okay, let's go. So Jansen's like drops his gloves, and 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 Cummins doesn't. So Jansen bends over to picks his stuff up, and when he's putting his gloves back on, Cummins suckers him with his gloves still on, and then they fight. And I was kind of like. I mean, it's a cheap shot on Cummins' part. I don't know what Cummins was doing, but, you know, whatever. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I'm not going to hold it against Cummins. Like, oh, I don't like him now. Like, it's nothing like that. But I'm, I'm really, because it's weird. I, I don't, Cummins didn't strike me as he would do that. But, uh, well, there you go. We all have, like I said, we have, as I was saying earlier, right, everyone has their moments. So something happened there. But, yeah, so Cummins tries to get the jump on him anyway. But, uh, yeah, and it's not bad. And he has a good fight with uh, Ojik. Uh, during a line brawl, and then a really good fight with Chris Murray um, last week's uh, player spotlight. Um, you know, and then at this point of his career, he's starting to wind down. He's with Chicago now, um, you know, going into the 98-99 season. He has eight tilts. Um, he fights Christoph Oliwa, kind of takes a loss there. Oliwa's just bringing him from downtown. Um, and... Another, you know, and he fights Ed Jovanovsky. There's another guy, Jovanovsky. I've I've seen a bunch of his fight. I mean, I saw him fight back in the day and whatever. Like I said, it all runs together. But Jovanovsky's got these, like, he's just dropping bombs. Like, it's like, holy shit. And I I ended up watching a bunch of Jovanovsky fights, too. I think that's a guy that I want to look into a little more. And um, just rage fighting. It's like, holy shit. Um he also has a really great fight. It's the, la- it's the last fight of the year for him um, with a rookie Patrick Cote, and uh, of course we all know Patrick Cote on this show. And it's an it's an awesome fight. And uh, you know, and, and well, and then as they're going, like Cote's laughing at him while they're hitting him. He's like, "Hit me again," you know, whatever. Um, and it, it's a great fight though. And um, they actually have the rematch the following year in ninety nine two uh, well, he, and he gets his rematch with Brant Myers too. Um, Myers had really hung one on Doug Smolik earlier, and uh, Chicago. They, the announcers are talking about how the Chicago players were looking for revenge, and uh, so and and Jansen's goes after Myers, and they have a really good toe to toe bout. And then later in that game, he actually fights Ronnie Stern, and it's another toe to toe bout. So yeah, Myers, or Jansen's got the two good fights that game against San Jose. But he also has, uh, in October, has a really, at the rematch fight with Patrick Cote. And it's a really good fight, too. And they beat the shit out of each other. Um, yeah, just a real solid fight. Again, yeah, guys, it's, and it's, it's, it's one of those things, uh, yeah, and then, the, and then, then in the final year of his career, 2000, 2001, um, he has a couple fights with Ray, um, the fight with Matt Johnson. They land some, Matt Johnson lands some bombs on him. And uh, his final NHL fight is December 13th against Denny Lambert. 
And then he actually ends up taking an assignment down to the American League. And he's in Norfolk to end his career. And his final fight is February 17th, 2001 against Darcy Burrow. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, he's one of those guys that under the radar guy. Um, but I was always a big Mark Jansen's fan. His fights are always, like I said, stick your chin out, go for it, toe to toe. Um, his final NHL totals, um, 711 career games. He had 113 career points, 1,422 minutes of penalties, and 138 fights. Um, and that's including preseason. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, 138 fights and 711, uh, games. And, uh, yeah. Big fan of Mark Jansen's. And, uh, yeah. There we go. There is your, and I would encourage, like I said, with these, all those fights that I mentioned are on YouTube. So, uh, please go and, uh, and, uh, go down the Mark Jansen's rabbit hole. You will be pleasantly surprised. Um, even for the guys that I know you have lots of tapes and you've seen, oh, I've seen Jansen's fight. Yeah, he was good. Believe me, much like myself, the same thing, right? I have them all over my assorted tapes. I've always been a Jansen's guy. I've mentioned it on, I've mentioned him on this show a bunch of times before that I was always, I'd always throw his name in. But, um, it, it's fun to go back and, uh, and like I said, and revisit the fights and, cause you forget, right? And, uh, and it was fun to go down the, the rabbit hole and, uh, for an hour here and, and watching his stuff. But, uh, and it was funny cause I'd branch off. Like I said, I'd check out some Jovanovsky stuff too. And I was like, mm, God damn, you know? And, uh, then of course I'd, I'd veer off and go watch some Kote and some Cummins and yeah, I end up, um, all over the place, um. So much of this episode was sort of all over the place, but, uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, Wednesday's episode, sorry, it was, uh, sort of, uh, helter skelter kind of all over the place. Like I said, I thought I was going to have a guest, um, and it didn't work out. Uh, he sort of gave me the last minute, uh, couldn't make it. And, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm in Edmonton. Yeah, really? Uh, That, that surprise trip to Edmonton came up like, okay. But, uh, actually he's a guy that I kind of work with. So he, it's not a player. It was a, but he has some interesting stories. He will be on the show. I'm going to get, I'll see him tomorrow. Um, cause he's back tomorrow, but I'll give him shit. But, uh, yeah, but I think you guys will really dig him when he comes on. He's got, he'll have some good stuff. Um, but, uh, anyway, guys, uh, sorry if this is all the last couple episodes have kind of been scrambly. Like I said, my, I have some stuff going on too. And, uh, you know, and just like with work and everything. And, and like I said, around here kind of, uh, running around, uh, you know, like I said, the wife, wife's sick and everything else. So, um, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, doing some extra shit and, and, uh, had to do some running around and everything. So, um, it's like I said, it's kind of been all over the place. So I apologize for that, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get things straightened out here. Like I said, I have a couple guests. Um, actually got a reply yesterday from a former NHL player, um, minor league guy, really tough dude. Um, he is definitely gung ho to do the show. I'm going to phone him tomorrow and we're going to discuss kind of what, uh, what the game plan will be and what we're going to talk about. And I just give him the heads up on what I do around here. And, um, yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, yeah, it'll just be, uh, like I said, interviews are coming, folks. You're not just going to hear from me there for the rest of the time. I'm not retiring the interviews yet. As much as they piss me off sometimes, I do have some irons in the fire. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to record here uh, shortly with these guys. So, But anyway, guys, it is now uh, 1035, and uh, I'm going to go have a shower and go to bed because uh, 5 o'clock comes early. 
But uh, I want to thank you for uh, tuning in. As I always say, I know there is uh, everyone and their dog has a podcast these days. And the fact that you sat and listened to mine, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on, could you rate and review my show? I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, other than that, I'm going to shut up and go shower. But uh, thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you on Sunday. Have a good day. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?